Hello and welcome. This is not an episode. It's a challenge to Christian teachers and historians. In chapter one of this podcast, I said that I intended to be objective in my treatment of Christianity because I want this podcast to follow a balanced line of reasoning so that it will be actually helpful for those of us who want to see where honest inquiry takes us. But I've since discovered that I can't really stay this course on my own. It was never going to happen. And that's because I am biased and I do have an agenda. I'm trying to demonstrate the veracity of what I believe is true about early church history and Christian doctrine. It's a thesis, and I naturally see the evidence for its conclusions along the way because it's what I believe. Even though I spent many years as a Christian thinker, I'm no longer attuned to that side of things, so there needs to be contribution from people who do see from that other side or any other side. I'm also aware that people who have subscribed will be interested to hear what a knowledgeable Christian opponent would say about my argument. What I've said doesn't really stand until someone tries to knock it over, and I know there will be many things I haven't thought of, things I'm not aware of. So I've been asking for people who disagree with me to put forward an argument for the Christian position, and there haven't been any takers yet, so I'm putting it out as a challenge as follows. Refute this thesis. This podcast is open to contribution and requires argument for the other side. It's a presentation of a thesis. Conclusion. There's something wrong with Christianity. Can you demonstrate that there's something wrong with the thesis? Breaking down Christian ideology into straightforward terms, the idea with this podcast is to use critical thinking to determine whether or not the core doctrines of Christianity are built on the teaching of the man we call Jesus. The premise of the thesis is that two distinct movements can be identified within New Testament documents, because the evidence is there to differentiate between them. By the time the New Testament documents were written, one of these movements was working in opposition to the other. They added narrative to the story to condemn the other. They made it clear that this was not one movement with a good relationship between Jews and Gentiles. One of these movements was the one the disciples of Jesus had been involved in. The other one was not. The other one was Christianity. Christianity is the wrong one, if the premise is correct. Are you a learned Christian that might have a good argument for the Christian position? Take the challenge. Choose any assertion made in the podcast or respond to the whole premise and send in your response as a voice message. So there you go. I'm putting the text for the challenge in where the description for the episode usually goes so that anyone who might want to cut and paste it along with the link to the podcast in order to post it somewhere for Christians to see can do so. Why would anyone want to do that? Well, if you're keen to hear what that knowledgeable Christian opponent might say, you could help get the challenge out there so that it really shows up on the radar. Because that might be what it takes to get a response. If you're a Christian, you probably don't want to be promoting this podcast. But on the other hand, it's going out to a lot of people. Over 1,200 subscribers on Podcast Republic alone. So if there's any correcting necessary, that'd be a good thing to happen early. 
And if Christianity does have good answers to this challenge, my promise is that I will do my best to show how good those answers are. And in that case, those answers would remain as part of the podcast and would take it in another direction. So this would be a good thing, if Christianity is rationally robust. I would even give a whole episode over to a Christian refutation if it was a good argument, and only comment on it in the following episode. But wherever that argument is questionable, I will of course question it. I think I've shown in Chapter 2, the interview with the Reverend Tim Ravenhall, that I will represent my opponent well, and only use his or her words in the interest of establishing a reasonable understanding of Christianity. I will do so in context, and my rebuttal of any rebuttal will be open for rebuttal, to be also included in the podcast if it's good. If this happens, I will resist the urge to get the last word in. And then let's say, just for argument's sake, that there is no substantial Christian argument to counter what I've said so far in this podcast. Does that mean this challenge should be kept quiet? Or does it mean this is a good process? Christianity should be open to critique and should be asked to demonstrate its faithfulness to Jesus and his teaching. Okay, so if you haven't listened to the podcast and you'd like to know what the thesis is in a nutshell, here it is. First, there was Jesus and his following. After Jesus was crucified, this following continued. Then there was Paul and the Gentile churches. Yes, Paul as the inventor of Christianity has been done before, but that doesn't mean it's been dealt with. Here we look at the two distinct movements that this proposal indicates and how one can be differentiated from the other. The first movement is centred on the teaching of Jesus, the second on the teaching of Paul, about Jesus. These became two rival movements. One was Jewish, the other Gentile, and this is how they can be identified. They both contributed to the material that we have about Jesus in the Gospel stories. These stories, to various degrees, having a Jewish substrata, which has been written over by Gentiles. This is evidenced particularly by anti-Semitism. But whether or not you can see this depends on how you read these documents. And this is where the Christian psyche comes into play for a lot of people. Christianity involves superstitious belief in a book for no apparent reason. There's no good reason to believe God was involved in the production of these documents but this is what Christians are taught to believe anyway, and it makes people unable to see this material for what it is. The New Testament is a publication that was organised by Gentiles, containing stories about Jews in first century Judea and Galilee. These stories are meant to have come from Jews who were there at the time to witness events described, and there's the idea that they were written by Jews, or if not, at least by people who were friends with them. But Gentiles who clearly didn't like Jews have had their hands on these documents. It's quite evident in many places within the text because they've given themselves away with their prejudice. They condemn the Jews as a people, something only non-Jews would do. This is solid evidence for Gentiles who are rewriting a Jewish story. So the first movement is Jewish and it is not Christianity. The second Gentile movement is Christianity, 
and it's these Gentile Christians who are rewriting the story. The New Testament became a powerful book, a cohesive message from God in the minds of adherents. But it's the 4th century when this was affirmed. Confirmation of documents to be included in it was carried out when the Gentile Christian Church became centralised and powerful under the Roman Empire. By this time, as the agency that authorised Christian doctrine, this church was very much removed from the time, place and culture of the people who followed Jesus. This church did have a heritage that went back to the first century, but it was one that primarily went back to Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. And this is why the orthodoxy of Christianity leading up to the fourth century was measured against Paul's teaching. As for the first movement, the disciples of Jesus weren't involved in those Gentile churches that ended up believing in Paul. Strangely, not much is known about what they or their community went on to do, but there is no reason to believe they were followers of Paul. Rather than going to church, it looks like they might have been meeting in synagogues. And this is a problem for a church that claims to have started with them. The church needs them for its connection to Jesus. But at the same time, their existence as part of a separate movement is a problem. Another movement that started with the disciples of Jesus means the Gentile Christian churches were not that movement. What's a church to do? Well, if you're the church of the 4th century and you have control of the media, the media being the New Testament and the amenable masses being Christians who are centuries removed from when these things happened and believe what they're told, it's not such a huge problem. Silence about this other movement is the only option, and quite effective. When people tend to believe whatever is written in the book, the book is preserved, with a well-chosen little story called Acts of the Apostles, and other perspectives on this transitional period are not, either through active suppression or simply lack of preservation. This control of the media that the 4th century church had was retrospective control of history. So we have a New Testament that is arranged in a way to help us believe in one movement that goes from Jesus and his disciples directly to Paul. The book of Acts playing an important part in giving us some sort of reason why we're reading Paul's letters for an understanding of a man he never met. While the Jewish movement is sort of there at the start, to suggest a connection with the people who did know Jesus. But then it's gone, because they've been written out of the story. The Jewish following of Jesus that was clearly there disappears from view. So there are a few issues with this one movement scenario, but it's embedded in the Christian psyche so well, it doesn't matter how many red flags are raised. How much evidence there is in the text for two movements. That evidence is presented in this podcast. But to see it, you might need to shake some religious assumptions and question Christianity. This religion that claims to be all about one man, while in actual fact it's built on the teachings of another. I think this is going to be interesting. 
If I get some help to get this challenge out there well enough, a knowledgeable opponent will end up feeling the need to jump in to speak up for Christianity. And I'll get some good points to put up against what I've said so far to keep this thing in check. It's time for Christianity to be asked to demonstrate its faithfulness to Jesus and his teaching. The assumption that it's derived from his teaching because it's supposedly got the right name has held for long enough. Post this challenge, if you're interested to see the response, so that it will go out as a notice to the Christian community at large, and we'll see what happens. It's now the 27th of June 2020. I'd say it's going to take some time to get a good response, so this will be an ongoing thing. It'll probably start with a lot of discrediting if my experience so far of questioning Christianity is anything to go by. Meanwhile, I'll continue looking between the lines of these documents. There's a more earthy contention to be seen in Acts and Paul's letters. This is where the fun starts. I know I said it last time, but coming up next, Chapter 8, Acts of the Spotlight.